0: Bickley and Marotta mornings. Arizona sports. The local sports leader. That's always good. Vinny's View, on the home of the Suns, Arizona Sports. Presented by Revitalize Weight Loss and Wellness. Eat smart, lose weight, keep it off with Revitalize. Proud nutrition partner of your Phoenix Suns. Anytime the Los Angeles Lakers come to town, those special feelings get stirred up. The gold uniforms, the history, the stars. When this year's edition of the Lake Show got to Footprint Center on Monday, it was really just about the gold uniforms and the history. The stars weren't there. No Anthony Davis, who's out with a foot injury. No LeBron James, even Russell Westbrook was a late scratch and passed up an opportunity to probably shoot the ball 40 times. The Suns were shorthanded too with Devin Booker sitting out with a sore groin, but rocking the coolest Detroit Red Wings sweater since Cameron Frye joined Ferris Bueller for a day off. One star was present, however, in the Suns' 130-104 to cakewalk over the Lakers. His name is Chris Paul. The 37-year-old point god has been the subject of much speculation since last year's playoffs. He went from closing out the New Orleans Pelicans on their floor with a majestic 14-for-14 shooting night to averaging just nine points and under six assists over the last five games of the playoff series defeat against Dallas. This year, he missed 14 games with a heel injury and overall has not looked like himself. Last night, vintage CP3 was back. He set the tone offensively with 14 points in the first quarter. He added 12 in the fourth and made it look easy. Getting to his spots and finishing with a season-high 28 points. Since returning from his injury, Paul has been good. He's averaging 16 points and 8 assists per game while shooting 43% from 3-point range. He may not be able to dial it up every night like he once did. There are a lot of miles on those tires but it was reassuring to see CP3 get to those spots and dictate what he was going to do offensively on Monday, even if it was against just a bunch of guys in Lakers uniforms. Oh, and Patrick Beverly is still a clown. Vinny's View is brought to you by Revitalize Weight Loss and Wellness. Eat smart, lose weight, keep it off with Revitalize, proud nutrition partner of the Phoenix Suns.
1: Did you see when of these on you in the third quarter after you scored on you? Nah. Uh, you did the two small. Oh, yeah. What do you guys brought up Yeah, you can't pay attention to that stuff. That ain't new. <laughs> you ain't come up with it. You know, but... Just play basketball, man.
0: That was Chris Paul last night, Kellen Olsen, asking him about... You saw that, too, didn't mm-hmm. you? Oh, yeah, I, yeah. Generally speaking, I don't care who does it. I hate the two small thing. I think it is the absolute... Uh, Definition of taunting and should be a T every single time anybody does it but for patrick beverly at 6-2 to do it to chris paul at 6-1 is kind <laughs> of goofy yeah right uh, the, the the basket by patrick beverly cut the sun's lead to like 22 he is an absolute clown and i love what's happening in los angeles because patrick beverly has a tendency to be a part of good teams mm-hmm. the lakers are a dumpster fire they really are and the lakers fan base has turned on pat bev like trade this guy we don't want him and and what will happen with patrick beverly Sons should get him, no, well, and then he, and then we're gonna see how fast oh, you change your tune. Oh, you would? Too. I, if, yes, you would. I don't think it would yes, ever happen. You would. I if we've talked over the past couple of years, Bick, about Chris Paul's influence on personnel decisions. Right?
2: Yeah, that's You'd true. You think Chris Paul would <laughs> sign off that's on that, funny.
0: <laughs> yeah, you're right. Probably not. That's and a good I don't point. know what Pat Bev really does to influence winning now. I think he's just. I think he's a coattail writer. I think that's all he is.
2: I think he's, uh, I think he's an excellent instigator I think he's a really good defensive player but I think he's really kind of let his sort of his image s- sort of steer him now and it's really unfortunate because uh, I've in in the last couple of years I used to really respect what he brought to a basketball court The just the hardcore nature of defense that he played and the fearless nature of, of his defensive play uh, uh, the push in the back for against Chris Paul that was that was the first thing that I said that is just that is not cool and ever since, it's been a clown show with the guy. So, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of there with you. I think there was a time when he was kind of had a great deal of respect, but now he's kind of like, I, I think that image of him is sort of driving everything he does, and it's ridiculous. Um, yeah, I, I think it's quite fascinating that with Anthony Davis now going miss, to miss a month, the Lakers are going to spiral again. And if they miss the playoffs two years running, with LeBron James and still playing at this level, that's quite something. And the year before that, did in the first round. Yeah, right. And then the year before that, they won a championship in the bubble, which is you know, if, if ever a championship deserves an asterisk, it's that one. Yeah. So it's listen, I'm the, I'm here for it. it. It's one of the few really, it's it's one of the cool things that that we have going on in Valley sports right now, and that is is the, the sunning of the Lakers, the Suns sunning of the Lakers. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Um, Chris Paul was really good last night. 28 points. Nine of 18 from the floor. It he had was. three three-pointers, had eight assists. He played 31 minutes. He said, hey, I'm not going to be load managing this season. But was also asked after the game, are you
1: doing anything different to maintain during the season? Because, you know, you are getting older. Same old, same old somewhat. Um I don't know. It's a full time job. You know, I'm sure some of the guys, Udonis, uh, probably Rudy, Braun, will tell you it's a full time, you know, gig, just getting up, getting ready for every game. We got a back to back tomorrow. Um, I honestly love, I love with my family in town. You know what I mean? My son, my wife, my daughter, everybody here. That always brings a little bit of energy, you know. But uh, other than that, just. Treatment, a lot of water, a lot of lifting, and, and getting ready.
0: And with Devin Booker out, Chris Paul shooting the ball 18 times, which is a big number for him, putting up 28 points. Did he feel that
1: need to step up? I knew he was out without book. You know what I mean? So, I mean, I had a guy on my team just scored 58 last game. You yeah, know you think I'm going to do? <laughs> you know what I mean? So, um,. You know, it's a balance, you know, trying to figure out when to be aggressive, when to find other guys, but my natural instinct is to find other guys because I know I can get a shot whenever, but uh, just trying to figure out that balance. Look, to to watch him play that way was
0: reassuring. To hear him in that soundbite say, I know I can get a shot whenever is yeah. reassuring. Yeah, I agree. I think there's there's kind of like a self-imposed governor on Chris Paul this this year uh, because of what transpired at the end of last year. And I, I I'm real curious to see where this goes. I think it's the smart strategy. Does it guarantee anything? No, but I think it's the right way to go.
2: Yeah, yes, I, I agree with that. And I and I think that there probably is more to that than Chris Paul lets on. Like, for instance, you you're playing the Wizards tonight, you're not gonna have Devin Booker. You can you can win you should win this game, even yes. without Devin Booker. So Chris Paul's probably thinking this is a back to back I'm gonna play mm-hmm. because we got a little thing going now and we've gotta gotta stretch this out. And there might they, they probably have this they probably have this whole calendar. Under mapped out in what they would like to do as far as that, but I, I like what you said because I, my, my takeaway watching the game last night was not only that, okay, phew, Chris Paul is starting to look like Chris Paul in terms of just his vibe on the court, but when you hear him talk like that after a game, clearly he's feeling more comfortable about how he's playing and how he feels on a basketball court. Yeah, yeah. so that's I think that's all good. It, it's, that's very, very reassuring because there, was, there have been times this year where, where I have wondered,
0: wow, man, did the end come fast and furious for him. Yeah, um it- if that was indeed what happened, that was fast to go from one of your best games of your career to to playing right you know below average mm-hmm. for the rest of that series. The the schedule is is interesting too. I mean, a, a lot was made of being done with New Orleans, who's one of the top teams in the Western Conference and I think they're going to be they're going to be a problem for a lot of teams in the Western Conference this year, especially if they're healthy. They're done. The Suns are done with four games with New Orleans before Christmas. They'll get their first look at another one of the top teams in the Western Conference, the Denver Nuggets, on Christmas. Um, so, the, you're right. I think they probably do have a, a, a plan on how to attack this. Yeah. I haven't seen an update. I'll have to check on, on Devin Booker's availability for tonight. Uh, you know, if last night was precautionary because it was a back to back, hey, we can probably get past the, the Lakers with DeAndre Ayton coming back. We'll, uh, we'll see. I heard,
2: I heard people speculating that this is going to be a few
0: games, that they're not yeah. going to push him back. Yeah. But, but that might just be speculation. Yeah. We shall see. Yep. Uh, but uh, DeAndre Ayton played well last night. Everybody played well last night. Tory Craig on his birthday, 17 points at four of four three-pointers. Uh, it's always good to beat the Lakers. That's always the thesis statement. I don't care who's in those uniforms. I, agree. I don't care how many fans they have in the building. You beat them, you send them home with a loss. It's I a agree. good thing. I agree. Uh, coming up next, uh, it's been a nightmare of a season for the Arizona Cardinals. That's an understatement, but held up against other bad teams in Cardinals history. Just how bad is this one? We'll get into that and more next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings on this Tuesday, live from the Akchin chin Community Studios here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata Mornings. That's it. Ripon takes a knee. This is over. The Cardinals lose 24-15 and drop to 4-10. and Who would have thought after last year, even with the way the team finished, who would have thought that the Cardinals would have had this precipitous drop to the bottom of the NFL standings? 10-2 at one point. Still struggled down the stretch but made the playoffs, lost in the postseason, but had the nucleus back. But all the injuries, all the distractions, combined with poor play on the field, and that's how you get to 4-10 and 10 after you've been a playoff team the year before. Dave Patch, final call in Denver on Sunday, 24-15. Broncos win it. You heard the details. 4-10 and 10 officially eliminated from the playoffs after an 11-win season a year ago it's been it's been bad it's been really bad. I heard uh, part of Wolf and Luke yesterday and Wolf is a guy who um in his own words yesterday bleeds big red you know who else bleeds big red every human being that is true <laughs> but oh. now to say um this is more than a job. The, the Arizona Cardinals more than a job for, for Ron Wolfley. It's in his okay. blood. Yeah. Um, he really cares about the franchise. And for him to say this is the toughest year he can remember, uh, either being a player and Wolf played on some bad Cardinal football teams, he's broadcast a lot of bad Cardinal football for anybody who's been a longtime fan. And maybe you agree, maybe you disagree, because I, I was one of those day-one converts, Bick. When the Cardinals moved here in 88, I was a senior in high school. I was all on. I was waiting for a football team forever. Yeah. They finally got here. I didn't give the St. Louis Cardinals a second thought when they were in St. Louis. I just didn't care. But I was Mm -hmm. here. They became our team. And I sat through a lot of bad football. I think this is not the worst team but the worst year oh, of Arizona a Cardinals. That's football. A, that's a
1: good
2: distinction to make because yes, listen, it, and you know I've been covering this football team consistently since 1998, and there has been there has been just some dog breath football. Is the uh, the the phrase I coined about 20 years ago? I'm telling you, Vinny, there there were times, and I'm talking about years, where I would go on road trips, and I would, and everybody who traveled with the team, you knew they had no shot at winning. It was the most unbelievable feeling in a league like the NFL where there is if, it, if there's not total parity in the NFL it ain't that far off and to have one team that never had a chance because like you said you look at some of the rosters of, of some of the old Cardinal football teams and some of the ones that I covered that were really really terribly bad the 2000 team they lost 13 games that was the year Vince Tobin was fired that was mm-hmm. the year they went into Dallas I believe was it Dallas yeah it was yeah. Dallas they got bu- just blown out in Dallas and and the next day Dave McGinnis wisely packed a suit in the back of his car when he went to work Um, that team was led by Jake Plummer the best running back was Michael Pittman. The best wide receiver was David Boston. Not necessarily bad. The O three 3 Cardinals lost 12 games. They had a, a point differential of minus 277. Jeff Blake was their starting quarterback. Ooh. Marcel Ship was their featured back. So you're talking about teams
0: that just couldn't even compete. That and, 2000 team, by the way, um, and you know, if you listen to this show, you know how we feel about Dave McGinnis. Mm-hmm. He's one of our favorites, and this probably speaks more to the magnetism of Dave McGinnis than anything else. You mentioned that loss. They lost 48-7 to to Dallas. They made the switch. The Cardinals, when Dave McGinnis took over as the interim, were absolutely brutal the rest of the season. They won one more game. They never scored more than 16 points in a single game, and he locked up that job full time. Wow because of how he attacked that job. But man, that was a that was a dark era of Cardinals football. There's well, no doubt.
2: yes, and and so it was and it went on for years and years and years and years and and the Cardinals actually lost over 100 games in a 10-year period and, and and things were just I mean, it was hopeless is the word that you would use. And there was the weirdest thing that would happen because the NFL had blackout rules in place. The Cardinals would generally play much better at home. Than they would on the road, uh-huh. but the valley would only see them
0: on the road. it was such a bummer,
2: yeah, and so what so what the valley was seeing was a uh, was an inferior, undermanned team that had no chance at all of winning, which is why. The ascent of Michael Bidwell and the move to State Farm Stadium had such a profound effect. And when when the Cardinals won the NFC Championship game against the Eagles, it's one of the greatest moments in Arizona sports history because as I stood there on the sideline, I looked up in the audience and the crowd was not only going nuts, but at least 40
0: percent of them were in tears, bawling. I wasn't at that game, but I was one of them. Watching the game with my dad. That was the last game I was able to watch with wow. my dad before he passed. Wow. We reminisced about all those you know, horrible games that we yeah. sat through where we were the fans ridiculed in our home stadium. Mm-hmm. Um, it was very emotional. Uh, but That just shows you how dark those periods were. Um, when you hold up... What the expectations were. And I did not have high expectations for this football team. A lot of people did coming off of a playoff game. So, um, the consensus was hey, this is a team that can compete for a playoff spot. When you hold up expectations to what the reality was, what an absolute disaster. Is, the the, the yeah. only, the only one, the only team that I can point to, uh, that's even similar is year one of the Buddy Ryan era. Buddy Ryan came in with all the bluster and all the bravado, and they actually attacked free agency. And they brought in guys from Philly, Seth Joyner and Clyde Simmons, and they built this defense. There were big expectations on those Arizona Cardinals. Mm-hmm. Actually, um, yeah, that was the first year they were the Arizona Cardinals. And they went 7-9. and nine. And 7-9 and nine wasn't horrible, but their offense was so bad that the expectations were not close to being met. Um, That's the only other time in Cardinals Arizona history that I can Think of a team that just failed wildly on reaching expectations. Put on
1: got a winner in town.
2: So uh, you brought up a couple of things I want to comment on here. It's not only the expectations were were higher, if not you know really high for some people, but it was just the dysfunction, the drama, and the Ugh. distractions, and the dysfunction. You label ladle that on top of the expectation, the failed expectations, and then you ladle on top the absolute debacle of of play. And level of play at State Farm Stadium, where this football team is 1-11 in their last 12 home games. And so, yeah, I think this is clearly the worst season in franchise history. Not the worst team. It's an important distinction to make. But this is just the worst season. Can I give
0: the one that jumped out to me first? Because I'm not a lifelong Cardinals fan, so I don't remember those ones that are way back. But the Ken hunts last year, that team started off 4-0. Yeah, in real time that was so painful mm-hmm. because they had that unexpected really good start. And when you start four and zero, you're thinking playoffs. <laughs> and then then they lose like ten of their last eleven or eleven of their last twelve they games. Went, yeah, they went one, Five, yeah. one and eleven the rest of the way. So in real time, yeah, that it, season was so painful because of how well it started. Yeah, no, but that doesn't that doesn't
2: elevate to this to the feeling of this season that that year. Even though that year ended with another one of those, it didn't end, but it. Was a fifty-eight nothing loss to the Seahawks in Seattle that was just a an annihilation and an utter embarrassment. That was what that was. That was the deconstruction. That was rock bottom after Kurt Warner's unexpected retirement after the playoff loss in New Orleans, uh-huh. and the, the Cardinals were, went off on a, 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 a basically a train where they were just. Struggling to find their next franchise quarterback, and right? then you had Kevin Cobb, the Kevin Cobb, and they John. were starting. Yeah, they yeah. had a lot of guys who, who tried to get that thing done. They couldn't get it done. You played that Buddy Ryan clip. I think it's interesting because it, Buddy Ryan was the last last outsider to come in here that the Bidwill family gave complete autonomy to, and Buddy didn't handle it very well, and it, it kind of either traumatized or scarred. The Bidwell family? Because they've been reticent to do
0: it ever since. I mean... Dennis Green got a chance as an outside coach, but didn't have the same amount of control. Right, that Rod Graves ranged. was still
2: here, yeah, exactly. So, But you're
0: right, I think that that was probably, and then the Dennis Green experience was no bueno too. Yeah, but I mean, looking back in hindsight, is it a great idea to give a guy full autonomy and make him the general manager when he doesn't know one player's name in the whole league? That was probably a mistake. Yeah, <laughs> yes, that was probably a mistake. Now we're going to go out and get number 42. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't know anybody's yeah, name.
2: Yeah, right, right. So, uh, so that, that's why I think this, that's why I think there's so much angst here because I, I believe, like a lot of Cardinal fans, we'd all believe that 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 the Dark Ages were over with. Mm-hmm. And
0: suddenly we're back in it. Yeah, you can understand the dark ages back in the Sun Devil yep, Stadium days. Exactly. They weren't playing on a level field. No, and no. Th- they've been playing on a level field since 2006, which makes this that much more painful. <laughs> right. Coming up next, uh, Sarah Gazelle will help us go through the big stories of the day with the Rush Hour reboot. Spickly and mornings live from the ak Community Studios here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. We've got a winner in town. <laughs> Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Rush Hour Reboot. Rush Hour Reboot. Getting you up to speed on everything
3: happening in sports this morning. Brought to you by Brooklyn Betting. Arizona built for America's dreams. Welcome on into the Rush Hour Reboot. Good morning. Great to have you all here. We take you through the top stories of the day every single day at this time. I am Sarah Kazell with Dan Bickley. Hey! Hey! Vince Morata!
0: Jimmy Carr? Jimmy
3: Carr! Tremendous.
0: I only played that because there's a guy in the newsroom who's laughed for my oh, whole car. <laughs> exactly. Good call. Oh,
3: is that right? Yes. Okay, and then Jarrett Carlin over there. Benjamin Peterson says, sacrifice a virgin who is throwing pennies into a wishing well whilst burning sage. So, uh, Jarrett, I'm sorry. We're going to have to have oh. you say your goodbyes. Boy,
0: oh, 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 oh,
2: oh, what a
3: oh. shot. That was, that was unnecessary. That's <laughs> that was, that was, my favorite joke. Where was, what what was that
0: from? I don't that know, have been, like, sun's Over blowout? the summer, maybe, yeah. Wow.
3: Wow. I do love a good Jared Suburgeon <laughs> joke.
0: I do. Uh,
3: we are Big Lee and Murata Mornings. Welcome in, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's We're start. Ruthless. I mean, I I don't... It just makes me laugh. It does. Uh, The Phoenix Suns, they got an easy one over the Lakers last night, 130-104. And Chris Paul was the Suns' leading scorer on the night. He had 28 points on 50% shooting from the field and 3 of 5 from deep. He also had 8 assists and 2 steals. After the game, Chris Paul noted that he knew he had to step up as
1: a scorer with Devin Booker on the bench. I knew he was out without Book, you know what I mean, so... I mean, I had a guy on my team just scored 58 last game. You know, you think I'm going to (laughs) do? You know what I mean? So, um, you know, it's balance. You know, trying to figure out when to be aggressive, when to find other guys. But my natural instinct is to find other guys because I know I can get a shot whenever. But uh, just trying to figure out that balance. Okay,
3: he's saying right there a few times, trying to figure out that balance. And he also talked last night about, you know, teammates and, and Monty begging him to shoot more. So in your guys' ideal scenario... What what are we seeing from Chris Paul on the court? What's the ratio of, of shooting to distributing that we're getting from him? It's
0: I don't think it's fair to gauge it when Devin Booker's not out there. He acknowledged, "Hey, I needed to pick up some of the slack last mm-hmm. night without Devin Booker there, and he, he did a great job of it." Um, you know, if Book is out there, if they've got a full complement of Cam Johnson's back when he gets back. I don't to see double-digit field goal attempts from Chris Paul when everybody's healthy, I think is probably going to be a rarity.
2: It's uh, it's an interesting question because we, we do know that in the past he's been a very uh, sturdy, reliable number two scorer until the postseason, uh-huh. and, and so it's it's that fine line of making sure he's got the juice um, next April, yeah, yeah. March, late March, next April. So I don't know. I I just I'm trusting in the fact that that heel injury. Was a lot was was more than a heel injury, so I yes. it, it it tells me that there is a long term plan in place here, and and so let's hope they get it right this time. Even though that said, man deserves a ring, indeed he does. He said he doesn't believe in load management, though, and I know and I believe that's true. I, I do believe that's true, and I and I but I do think it's going to be situational, and I do think at some point in time, um, it, as Vinny pointed out, Chris Paul's got a lot of power. He 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 helps make a lot of decisions. At some point yeah. in time, somebody's got to tell him, no, no, homie, this is what we're
3: doing. Mm. The, we're, we're, we're protecting yep. you from you. Oh, we're kicking you out of the boardroom. Oh, man. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay, so not load management, just operating out of an abundance of caution whenever he feels sore or an injury or anything like that. Sounds like. Mm-hmm. All right. Kyle Kuzma, who will be on the court tonight, he was court side to watch his former team, the Lakers, uh, against against his, his potentially future team. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rumor have linked the Suns and Kuzma he tweeted around one o'clock yesterday I think it was quote control what you can control with the fingers crossed emoji um, and like I said rumors have tied Kuzma to the Phoenix Suns aside from the fact that he was watching his former team play is there anything else to read into his attendance last night that
0: he really likes watching basketball on his off days is that something he
3: does elsewhere?
0: I don't know. I didn't see Kyle Kuzma. I I oh, heard the, he was going to be there. Was he wearing a goofy TV. outfit? He,
3: yes, he was wearing one of those stupid bucket hats pulled all the way over his eyes Which so no one could recognize uh, him, even though he's oh, really? incredibly okay. recognizable. Pretty tame for him. <laughs> yeah. He wasn't yeah. wearing a sweater that had <laughs> like 12-foot long sleeves. <laughs> No, that's I respect when a player gets really bold and creative with his fashion choices. That one was just
0: terrible. Kyle Kuzma was one of the NBA players also that tweeted at Devin Booker over the weekend after Book went off for 58 points against the Pelicans. I mean, all the signs point to him wanting to be here. Yes, do you want him, though? I think he'd be a great boost to this team. And there's been times in in, in his career where I've... I thought Kyle Kuzma was a bit goofy, yeah, on would, the court goofy, yes. But I yes. think he's matured, and I don't watch I a hope. ton of Washington Wizards basketball, but he's been really good there this year.
3: Uh huh. Yeah, nobody watches a ton of Washington Wizards, basketball, yeah. Although we'll be it? subjected to it tonight uh, here in Phoenix. All right, so let's stick with the Phoenix Suns. Uh, ESPN's Baxter Holmes yesterday, the reporter who wrote that big deep dive story on Robert Sarver and the workplace culture at the Phoenix Suns last year and many reports since then. He published a follow-up yesterday to that report. It turns the attention away from Robert Sarver and toward the Sun's president, Jason Rowley, and alleged instant instances of bullying and improper treatment of employees by Rowley, um, specifically to female employees. Um, it mentions a female Sons employee who was allegedly groped in Mexico City. What is it with Mexico City? Uh- Act Ooh. right wherever you are. Thank you. No matter which country you're in. Uh, and that incident, according to this report, was not brought to HR. Um and it, it also just confirmed a lot of things that were said about Robert Sarver. It just basically sounds like Raleigh is upholding, um, or, or continuing to participate in the toxic workplace culture that existed under Robert Sarver. So the Suns issued a long, long statement. Um, they said that there are factual inaccuracies, which is also what they said about Baxter Holmes's story at this time last year. And they wrapped up their statement with, as we move forward, we do so with the knowledge we have not been a perfect organization. Our current leaders have taken accountability for the claims that have been substantiated through investigations and all of us continue to be committed to learning, growing and upholding a culture of respect. So, guys, what did you think about this follow-up report? Uh, uh,
2: interested because I, I do know that from from talking to some people um, w- when this investigation was going on that, that that there was real trauma this workplace culture caused on employees, ex-employees, even some current employees. Yep. Many of them female, yes. and and there was and so I was told at that point in time that that accountability was going to cost Jason Rowley his job if it. Didn't get all the way to the top with Robert Sarver, so now that Robert Sarver has been removed, people have wondered what, what it was is. Are we to assume that that was the only issue here? Um, and, and so I, I, I think that this is something that has caused lingering pain for people who are traumatized in this. Yeah, and and I and listen, I have the sons tried to get better. Yeah, I, th- I think they have, but there's accountability for the stuff that was in that piece. And as Vinny pointed out, though, it really is kind of a moot point. I did not know that Robert Sarver wrote into his exit language that he is that nobody can fire Jim Pittman, Jason Rowley, and there was a third, find uh, another executive, um, without his written Dan Costello, yeah, yeah. without his written permission. So yes. Robert Sarver then ha- has has got. Protection over these guys in the moment, but we're all to assume a new owner is going to come in and put in his
0: own leadership team, anyways. You feel that way, and that's, I think, kind of been the prevailing thought through all of this. You know, to read the, uh, another related report is. Is disappointing, I feel for the people that were affected by it. Yeah. Like Vic said, I think the Suns have tried to get better. I think it was it was it was and this story points it out too. It was a culture Sarver created that other people kind of bought into. Yeah. But to me, one of the things, and going back to the Baxter Home story originally was there was a big human resources problem with the Phoenix Suns for about ten years, where they were not acting as advocates for their own employees because of it was it intimidation? That to me is the most disturbing thing. Part of I all agree. of it, and uh, one one point I did want to make is, you know, the Suns Suns fans do uh, they they complain about the lack of coverage they get nationally. The Suns have a beat reporter now <laughs> for ESPN. Holmes. It's Baxter, Baxter Holmes. Holmes. Unfortunately, he but, only writes about workplace culture yeah, and not what's but, what's but, going but on but on again, the court.
2: We, yeah, I know. But again, we should be thankful that he is because, yes. like I said, like I said, I I heard a story from a, an ex female employee who took a son to a Suns playoff game a couple years ago. She walked into Footprint Center and she immediately had post traumatic shock syndrome mm-hmm. for her. Ex- Experiences there as an employee. There are real human costs yes, are. attached to that workplace
0: culture. And nobody and, should go through that
2: at work. No.
3: These are our neighbors. These are our yes. peers. Yes. So, yeah,
0: yeah, we should care about that too. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, We're guys. all rebooted. Rush Hour reboot every morning. The big stories of the day at 7.30. Coming up next... The Green Bay Packers are not eliminated yet. Can Aaron Rodgers work some magic and get them to the postseason? That and more NFL hash marks next here on Bickley and Murata Mornings on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.
1: Bickley and Murata Mornings. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think it's just he win a game, you know, Vibes are pretty good, and uh, We've just been practicing a little bit better. The energy's been a little bit better. And it's hard to put uh, your finger on it. Um, we played a couple teams we should have beat. That being said, it's still so tough to win in the league. And I've, I said it earlier, I think we can beat anybody. We can also lose to anybody. Um, but when you win a couple in a row, it starts giving you some confidence now we're playing against some better football teams down the stretch that uh, that we can go to Miami and win.
0: It's Aaron Rodgers, after the Packers 24-12 win over the Rams last night on Monday Night Football, their second straight, the question posed to Aaron Rodgers was, what's changed the last two weeks? And it took him a while to get around to it, but he got around to it. The Packers played a couple teams they should have beat. They beat Chicago last week mm-hmm. and they beat a very, very shoddy Rams team. Oh. Um man, what a nightmare season for them. Uh, oh. But they've got a Super Bowl to keep them warm they at do. night. So there's there's that. But the Packers are six and eight. They are on the outside looking in of the playoff picture right now, but not mathematically eliminated. And I wonder um you know, you know, things have gone swimmingly for the Packers in the regular season the past three seasons under under Matt Lafleur. Not this year. Does Aaron Rodgers have the requisite magic left to get them back into the postseason with three games remaining? Well, they got. At Miami, Minnesota, and Detroit. So last game that listen,
2: this is what worries me. If because you know that I'm I'm kind of cheering for the Lions to get in. If the Packers take the Lions bid and is that last game that last game against the Lions is in Lambeau, isn't it? It is. Yeah, of course it is. (laughs) Of course it is. What's interesting was last night's game ended on the one yard line. Matt LaFleur decided to take three consecutive knees. Mm-hmm. because sportsmanship, mm-hmm. which is, which is I guess, um, admirable, but it's also a tiebreaker criteria. Zion Williamson
0: was cringing at that, by the way. <laughs> right? How about that? <laughs> he would have moonwalked mm-hmm. into the end zone from the mm-hmm. one-yard line. Right. Um, yeah, y- y- you wonder. I mean, you're, you're not... A thirteen win team, as you've been in your previous career as the head coach, will that come back to bite' them? that 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 one single decision to kneel on it three times could bite the packers now, yeah. Could they point probably to earlier not, earlier season failures? Yeah. Probably more yeah. responsible for them not making it. But still, you got to give yourself every opportunity.
2: It, it, listen if, if the Packers win out, I mean they're in, they're actually in good shape to pull this off. And I was, yeah, I was not ready for this. Mm-hmm. I was not ready for the return of
0: Aaron Rodgers this season. <laughs> yeah, that would be terrible if like after all this fun and and of a disaster seasons for Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. They both make Hell, the playoffs yeah. after yeah. all this, and,
2: and, like make the NFC Championship yeah, game. Each yeah other. right. Shit. Yeah,
0: that would suck. Yeah, that would. Um, I agree. We're still the, the the football world is still buzzing over what happened in Las Vegas on Sunday with the the New England Patriots, the all time brain fart uh, in losing that game on a lateral that was picked off by Chandler Jones who returned it for a touchdown. A lot of people pointing at the decision first of all to call a draw play, then go into lateral mode. Uh, Why not just, you're tied, you're guaranteed overtime on a failed play. Why not just load up and, and throw the Hail Mary? Bill Belichick said, it was too far. (laughs) <laughs> Mac Jones has responded to that assertion from Bill Belichick that it was too far. He sat down with WEEI Radio in Boston. You know, I think we, you know, obviously have a plan in that situation. You have to think about everything that's in that situation, and that's something that he did, and that's his job, and he's he's done that for a long time. But you know, whatever the play call is, I'm going to run it and do it the best I can. And um, if it was a hill Mary, then it was a hill Mary. If it was a run, it was a run. So that's what I always tell myself, regardless of the situation is, what's my job and how do I do it? And I try to just keep it really simple. It's hand it off, throw it, or run myself. So there's three options I have. and um, Yeah, so I think it's one of those things we got to learn from and see what we can do better, but there's a lot of things that go into it beyond just the throw itself. Um, there's there's other things that go into it. Do you it. know how far you can throw it? Yeah. Is there a number <laughs> in your mind? Yeah, I know my number. Um, is it 60?
1: I guess we'll see. <laughs> Over, under. Over, oh, under 60. Mac, wow. <laughs> have you ever played the crossbar game? Yeah, oh yeah. Crossbar. So, uh, what's the farthest you ever hit the crossbar from? Um, I don't know. I'd have to think about that. Probably sixty. Yeah, right.
0: Probably sixty. Grow <laughs> a spine, Mac Jones. Yeah, say your coach on. was wrong. Yeah, it's Belichick it's, blew that. He did. And for him to say <laughs> it was too far, I was talking to you off the air about this, Bick. Even if it's a, you can't get it to the end zone. How many times have you seen a Hail Mary get tipped around, volleyballed around, finds the right hands, and oh, by the way, you got a touchdown? Is it a high percentage play? No. Is it better to go to overtime than lose the way that you did? It was so un-Patriots-like to see them blow that game that way. Oh, I agree. I agree
2: wholeheartedly. It, and it was very unBelichickian. And again, that's probably that might be the most embarrassed he's ever been on a football field. I know I, I, I covered that game in Glendale that he lost to the Giants, and they lost their their quest for perfection. And he ran off. He he broke code and ran off the field without going across and shaking hands. Mm-hmm. He ran off without before the time was even completely expired on the clock, which we thought was kind of bush. I had to go potty. I, I didn't need to be there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> got to go. To got to go.
2: So I I, I think that. Um, it, what's interesting to me, though, is you, you get past this, and Bill belichicks it, it, he's incurred a lot of heat for handling the offensive coordinator position the way he has this year, which has mm-hmm. kind of been a debacle and has been a point of contention all year long. But that Patriot team does not have a lot of talent, and for them to even have seven victories at this time is is a testament to him. Same I, as last year, too. He we got well,
0: that team to the playoffs with a rookie quarterback yeah, and that lack of talent. And w-
2: we, we all saw that NFL Top 100 list before the season, began there wasn't a single Patriot player on no. it. So I so I think that these t- the offensive coordinator debacle plus the Chandler Jones Jacoby Myers debacle has kind of overshadowed what has otherwise been a very
0: solid year of coaching for Bill. Yeah but that's a hard one to get over oh, it, uh, <laughs> I'm not gonna argue that <laughs> Uh, Coming up next, we'll kick off the second half of the show on this Tuesday in style with the Bickley Blast. Bickley and Murata mornings live from the Ak Chin Community Studios here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.